Hi, Rav Judy here with Masechet Yoma, Paragimel, Mishnah Yud Aleph. In contrast to the prior Mishnah, where several people did things that were special, and they were uh, quoted or referenced lishvach to their praise, that they did a really good thing, this Mishnah now brings a few people who did things that, were, that the Chachamim did not approve of, all in relation to the Beit HaMikdash, the same way the early ones were in relation to the Beit HaMikdash, so too here. Elu Lugnai, these people were mentioned for disgrace or denigration. Shalbeit Garmu, the family of Garmu, the Garmu family were Kohanim who were put in charge of making the Lechem Apanim. Lechem Apanim are actually called the showbreads. It's the bread, the 12 loaves of bread that sit on the Shulchan, the golden table in the Beit HaMikdash. And the way the table set up, the, the breads are really meant to be it's hard to describe. It's kind of like an extended U-shape. Uh, imagine if you put them on their side, they would be a, uh, a like a like a a very formal letter C. If everything's at right angles, it's not you know not not rounded. Um, so they have a long flat side and then a an angle where they turn at ninety degrees and then and turn again. Um, so it's kind of like a fancy sort of a letter C. Um, and they're, they're put down on their flat side. And there were several miracles that took place with regard to this Lechem Apanim. One of them was that even though it had this a great deal of surface area. It always stayed fresh week to week. Every Friday, we put in on Friday, it would sit there till the next Friday. On the next Friday, half of it would go to the outgoing shift of Kohanim and half would go to the incoming shift. Um, but it was always sitting there for a week and yet it was fresh when they left despite the surface area. Also, making it in that shape and having it come out of the mold in a way that didn't break uh, and that the bread didn't go moldy, this is before preservatives, uh, was something of a, an impressive feat. And Beit Garmu knew the technique for this, but they wouldn't share it with anyone else. Similarly, Shalbet Avtinas, the Avtinas family were in charge of making the incense, the Keturet, and there were special aspects of the Keturet, among them besides the you know, formula for making it, that apparently the smoke of the Keturet would go straight up in a line. And the Gemara talks about how the Avtinas family would not share this information with anyone else, they considered it a proprietary secret, a family secret, and that wasn't appropriate. It's not their proprietary family secret. It belongs to the Jewish people. And then at one point, the Avtinas family were, because they wouldn't share this, they were kind of kicked out of this role. They went down to Alexandria, says the, uh, says the Gemara, and other Kohanim were put in place to do this, but they couldn't quite make that happen. That didn't ruin the Keturet, but they couldn't quite make it happen. Because they couldn't make it happen, the, the, the lead Kohanim called back the Avtinas family, who said, sure, we'll come back if you'll pay us double. And um, that was just seen as really being low. And so the Aftinas family were, uh, they wouldn't teach about making the incense. They were treated or, or thought of badly for this. Uh, the, the Gemara goes on to explain that maybe both of these families didn't want to share the secret because they were afraid it might get into the hands of idolaters. And the rabbi said, I appreciate your concern, but that's not still not your decision to make. You need to be able to share this information. And they didn't. Horgas ben Levi hayayodea perak rashir v'lorat Horgas ben Levi knew something special about how to sing, although really the Brite explains in the Gemara that it wasn't just how to sing, it was how to make sounds with his mouth. He'd put his thumb in his mouth and he'd spread his fingers, you know, people make that sharp whistling sound. He could make really cool musical sounds that way, and it was engaging, and it was it was wonderful, and they used it for music in the temple, but he wouldn't teach anybody else how to do it. And as far as everyone else is concerned, that's not so cool. If you know, you should share. And Ben Kamsar, Ben Kamsar knew how to take four quills between his fingers, his five fingers, and write 
write a four-letter word with it. Uh, I note that Thomas Jefferson is said to have been able to take a pen or a quill in each of his hands and write in Greek with one hand and Latin with the other at the same time. So Ben Kamsar knew something like this. And the fact that they wouldn't teach people how to do this, Ben Kamsar wouldn't teach people how to do that. So about the people in the last Mishnah who, um, who did good things for the temple, we say, may the memory of righteous be for a blessing. That may the, may the names of the wicked rot. I know that the Avtinas family are actually the family, if you've ever been near Oraita or in the old, in the old city, uh, that there's the burned house. The burned house is a house that was destroyed during the uh, Roman invasion of Jerusalem for the destruction of the Second Temple. So you can pretty well figure out it was late July or early August of the year 70. And they burned this house that was a Kohen family, and the house collapsed. And ash is an excellent preservative, and rubble you know, will keep things covered. And so when it was uncovered, it became an incredible archaeological find. And among other things, it was the house of Kohanim. It was the house of the Astinas family, exactly this family that wouldn't share the it's also called Beit Katros. Uh, their names are inscribed on some of the pieces there. It's really quite a find. Um, but if you're interested by this Mishnah and you'd like to visit the Avtinas family home, it's literally around the corner from Araita.